One hand speaks. My arm cost how much? Part two. Hey, 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 my friends, here we go. Season four, episode two, or episode 160. And here we go. Just going to finish up my series, my part two, about how much my arm actually costs. And like I mentioned in uh, part one, uh, you know, 20 years ago, they were five thou, give or take, depending on the material, those kind of things. And uh, so I, I I am amazed at what my parents did and how they got all that to work out. You know, I just had uh, just had a long talk with my mom. She got all emotional. She always does when when I'm uh, when we're talking about the one handed thing, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned it's hard for me. But it's also hard for my mom. And I'm sure it was an interesting challenge for my brothers in some for- format, my father and my extended family, those kind of things, you know. Uh, maybe sometimes we don't give enough credit to the parents of people, parents who have children who are born extra cool like me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my mom took it pretty hard. She still takes it pretty hard. Uh, She takes a lot of responsibility for the way that I was born. Uh, There's really no scientific reason for why I am the way that I am. I'm just classified as congenital malformation. Basically, I just say that somewhere along the line, some cell didn't divide, and uh, lo and behold, voila. But then from a Buddhist karmic perspective, you know, uh, well, maybe you don't know. Everything is based in cause and condition, so... There's no no uh, no randomness, so to speak. Nonetheless, my mother does take some responsibility for the way that I am born, and you know she when she, it's interesting because when we're together, and uh, you know kids approach me or things like that, you know I I just watch my mother watching people watch me. It's really interesting because, you know, kids might be looking at me and then my mom's watching these kids look at me and I'm looking, I'm watching my mother watch people watch me. And it's an interesting phenomena. I know, I know she carries some responsibility there. Parent, parents carry a lot. So uh, I, I wanted to talk to her about it and I knew she would get emotional because she always does. But I was like, oh, hey, mama, you know, you remember when I was a kid and we used to have to go to Chicago? And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, she we, <laughs> uh, we went to the Shriners, you know, they 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 took care of you there. And, and um, we used to go there a lot. Well, we went there, you know, whenever I outgrew my arms, they used to have internal sleeves, you know, that they could they could kind of pull out and prep for kids growing a little bit but once you know once I increased a little bit in girth yeah just it didn't quite work that way and um, but fortunately it was covered by by the Shriners and uh, you know my mom and or my dad would take me most of the time and and uh, he said he was always very touched by how I interacted with the other kids and you know the funny thing is is I I really have no memories of this other than one vague memory of my father's sister, my aunt, and my father and I all going. And I I remember kind of being in the Shriners Hospital, but I don't really, I have no recollection of any interactions there. 
But once my mom, my mom was just telling me this now, she's like, oh yeah, there was, there once, you know, uh, you went there and there was a little girl there that didn't have any feet. And then she had really small, small arms, you know, and her hands were real tiny. And, and, uh, you know, my, apparently my father was very touched, but, you know, I would play with this girl. And, uh, and then they brought her out this, this device that they made. It was kind of like a, like a cradle on wheels, you know, that had these like, uh, pedal car pedals, you know, that she could move back and forth and it would kind of move her along. <laughs> yeah. My mom told me that, uh, that, that my dad told her that I just played like just ran around all you know my whole session with this girl we were out having fun running around and uh <clears throat> that's when my mom started crying and saying how touched my my father was you know and and uh you know my father was classic old school immigrant came over on a boat landed in New York from Italy this kind of thing you know and he didn't really show a lot of emotion he was very kind, you know, very forgiving, very special man indeed, but didn't really show a lot of emotion. But when he did, you know, you knew it was real. And, and uh, uh, so apparently he was really touched by this. But at the same time, he also uh, really couldn't handle it. Like he's like, I, I can't keep going there. It's just too hard for me to see all these kids, you know, that have all these differences, malformations, you know, disabilities, missing parts, all of this. And, and, uh, and then, you know, one day, you know, when I was like nine, apparently my doctor, you know, who gave, you know, who, uh, helped my mother give birth to me, Dr. Sweeney. I mean, I, I have such fond memories of this doctor. Um, he kind of looks like Kevin Spacey in my memory. And, um, I've always enjoyed his company. I always loved going to see him. And apparently I loved him a lot when I was a kid. I would just run towards him and jump on him and hug him. And, and uh, you know, at some point my father really couldn't handle going to this hospital hospital anymore. Um, so they we decided to visit a place in, in uh, South Bend, which is where these Slavic guys were at. And... Uh, <laughs> My mom's, I brought that up and she started laughing. She's like, oh, we could barely understand them. And they were always smoking cigarettes and the place smelled like chemicals. And, you know, uh, yeah, it just, it's just an interesting memory that I have. And, and, uh, but apparently Dr. Sweeney, uh, acquired a grant to pay for my prosthetic arms. And again, my mom was very touched. You know, she gets real emotional about the whole one-handed thing and people giving out and stuff like that. And, you know, my mom's been given $7 a month to St. Jude uh, Children's Hospital for, I don't know, like 37, 42 years, something like that. And I made a little joke with her. I was like, oh, the Shriners help us out and you give money to St. Jude. I don't know. So maybe I'll kick St. Jude a little bit of cash or Shriners every month because uh, they really made a difference in my life, you know, really helped me out with my prosthetic arms and and, uh, you know, took really good care of my parents and things like that. It's just amazing that those kind of those kind of things were covered because it would have certainly been too financially challenging for my parents at that time. And, you know, again, why am I bringing all this up? Well, it is the One Hand Speaks Storytelling Podcast, and this is kind of some deeper deeper stuff, you know, I mean, I'm into the humor and the, the, the entertainment and the enlightenment of life in general, 
But sometimes I just want to share, just share more poignant things about my one-handed experience. And then, but basically, I'm I'm I am bringing all this up because, you know, I am actually extremely excited to get my arm fixed. <laughs> and it's not so much having the arm, you know, because now a lot of my clothes are custom cut, so I couldn't wear it with my sports coats or anything like that. And, uh, you know, my, my, my dress coats, suit jackets, there you go. But, uh, it's not so much the arm, it's being able to ride my bicycle again. And I really want to get back on my bicycle. You know, I didn't own a car till I was 33, rode my bicycle from Seattle to Chicago. I did 15 years devoted bicycle commuter, five of those in Seattle, another, you know, 10 in Boise. All winter long rode my bike, this kind of thing. And and uh, even ran a bicycling publication in Boise for two and a half years called Spoke, apostrophe N, apostrophe word, spoken word. And I love telling this little story. I, I I would call people like businesses to see if I could get like support and advertising and, you know, basically solicitation. And I called up, I, I don't even know what company it was. I was like, hey, this is Alejandro with spoken word. And the person on the other end was like, look, I got to stop you right now. We don't give money to religious organizations. <laughs> I was like, no, man, <laughs> it's a spoken word. It's a bicycling publication. And he got a big giggle out of that, which just reminds me, I was uh, looking online. I was buying some bike parts online. I came across this, it might've been eBay or I don't know, just somewhere else, but there's a bike shop called Old Spokes Home, right? Now, isn't that great? <laughs> they sell used parts, man. How, how cool is that? But I just miss bicycling so much and I've, I've been buying bicycles you know I got my Schwinn mini twin out my 1968 classic Schwinn all original unrestored tandem Schwinn mini twin 20 inch wheels totally cool and then I still have my bicycle that I left Indiana with so 1990 I think I've had that bicycle old school diamond back you know that's what I rode from Seattle to Chicago and what I commuted on for 15 years. I mean, it's a, you talk about an, a utilitarian workhorse. I almost thought about getting rid of it, but I'm going to schedule an appointment here at the Boise Bicycle Project and get that thing fixed up is kind of like, you know, the, my my not so great weather kicker. Um, and I just been, you know what, I've been, I bought myself some, well, actually two. No, I think I got three old school Ibis hand jobs. Uh, the cable stop looks like a little hand. They're very cool. They're very sweet, old school, old school steel, what we like to say, real steel. So I got those bicycles put, not put together, but I, I got the frames because the frames are hard to find. And I think one of them I'm, I'm going to have to sell because it's just a little too big for me, but it's a beautiful orange. I'll work that out. But yeah, I'm, I, I want to get these bikes together. I want to spend more time back on my bicycle. I miss bicycling. I love it. I, I want to just, you know, I, I want to feel like, well, a kid again. <laughs> and I am always so happy when I'm on my bicycle. And it's not that I can't ride my bicycle without my artificial arm, but man, it sure makes it a little bit easier. And then at the same time, like, I'm, I'm really kind of excited to, to think about getting, you know, of course, getting my arm fixed, but even the potential of acquiring a new arm. 
You know, I just kind of thought about that when I was prepping for this podcast. I was like, oh, I can't wait to get my arm fixed. And I thought, you know what? I could probably just get a new one, which I think could be pretty cool. You know, I'm still a hook fan. I'm not interested in the hand. I don't want to look down and see two hands. That's that's not my style. That's not my style. And I mostly only needed to ride my bicycle. So we'll see how it unfolds. But, you know, when I do think about having like some kind of uh, extension on my body, to kind of even me out, you know, you know what I'd really like to have is like a Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator style looking arm, you know, like some titanium brackets up on my, my uh, bicep area holding it down. And then, you know, actually even have like an ulna and radius in titanium filling the space of the arm that I don't have. And even who knows, maybe even a hand on the end, just I don't know, just to give something people to look at anyway. I used to know this guy when I first moved to Boise. He had a lot of tattoos. He's like, oh, man, nice little arm. He's like, you know what you should do? And I've seen this tattoo. He's like, you should tattoo a fingernail at the end of your arm, make your arm look like a finger. He's like, because people are going to stare anyway, and you should give them something to stare at. Oddly enough, I have actually seen that tattoo. Amputees have, like, a fingernail. Looks like, you know, tattooed on there. Looks like a, like a giant finger. Wow. No, 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 no. You know, I think about that kind of stuff. And, you know, even with like 3D printers, that's very plausible now. Maybe not out of titanium, but something cool looking. You know, just, I don't know, just for the look of it. But mostly I like the way that I look right now. And I miss being on my bicycle. And I'm I'm surprisingly excited. I keep forgetting about doing this, you know. But I have a couple of bicycles that are hard to ride. You know, the, the Schwinn Mini Twin is, a, you know, it's a mini twin. It's got the two-speed kickback. You know, it's got an internal hub. It's very cool. And I can ride it without my arm because I'm not really going that fast. And it's got big handlebars and, <coughs> excuse me, it's mostly for cruising. So that's not a big deal. But if I really want to start commuting again and being more efficient at it and uh, maybe doing some other things on a bicycle, then it probably would be a good idea to upgrade the arm that I have and potentially, you know, get some stuff that's going to make biking a lot easier for me. Um, Because I would really like to spend the majority of my transport time getting to work and back and just cruising around Boise on my bicycle. Because I miss that. And I like being a one-handed bicyclist. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm super excited. It's like more more exciting than getting a new pair of shoes in a weird kind of way. Um, and you know, with that, my friends, I feel like this podcast is is over. You know, I shared some good stuff with you, and uh, I, I you know what? Okay, I couldn't get to uh, turning my music over. Uh, there's still an outside chance it could happen tonight, but I got to go do Aikido, and. Uh, but I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. And a lot of the other things, I, I've been taking care of a lot of like, I'm, I've been getting stuff on my eBay store and my Etsy store my and Mala counters, been putting a lot of that stuff together, just catching up with all that, trying to sell some more Moldavite and whatnot. So um, it's been a little intense. It's been a little intense. We're still in the COVID nation stuff, and that's a real thing for people. You know, it's a little bit of fear factor my mom has about me doing teaching Aikido and and Buddhism again, but it's very restricted. 
and a lot of social distancing and stuff like that, a lot of hand washing. So, you know, we're just going to take it slow. We're going to take it, you know, basically one day at a time. And uh, and then I'm going to get to upgrading the website. Not, well, yeah, I certainly need to upgrade my onehandspeaks.com website and um, change some of the music on this, change my format a bit and get to my vlogging. But, you know, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to pack it all in there. And uh, then we'll get it going. So, okay, my friends, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, just giving you back-to-backs this week, a part one and part two to make up for last week. And then we'll just keep moving in the forward. We will see what Podcast 161 will bring us. And with that, my friends, take care. Be cool. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets.